Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Power Sweep Podcast presented by North Coast Sports. I'm Antonio Castro once again, uh, along with Chris Van Dyne, two of the handicappers here at North Coast Sports. And uh, before we dive into this week's a- uh, action, I uh, just want to let you know we're very, very excited. This weekend is our five-star weekend, uh, just our second five-star in nine weeks of football. We did win our September five-star on Clemson. Easy win over Georgia Tech, coming off just a great week, not just in power, power sweep, but uh, in, in our late phone selections uh, last Saturday as well. You know what we did in Power Sweep last week if you're a subscriber. We went 5-1. and one. The lone loss was a UNLV game that we downgraded during the, the middle of the week after we learned that the quarterback would be out. Wasn't even in the mix at the end of the week. That's one of the values of being uh, part of our late phone packages is we upgrade or downgrade plays based on things that happen during the week, whereas the newsletter, uh, Power Sweep, while it's fantastic in its own right, um, there is some flaws with any newsletter because of the fact that it's written a week in advance. But uh, the, the late phones our top four late phone selections all won last week and again we're going to have our five star going this weekend saturday and you can get that five star not just the five star but all of our late phone side selections on saturday and our nfl selections on sunday and by the way our nfl top play is a perfect five and oh this year for as low as sixty nine dollars again sixty nine dollars as low as is is the the lowest price that you can get um all you got to do is call our office toll free 1-800-654-3448 see if you qualify for that sixty nine dollar offer uh, if not, I mean, again, you can if you're a PowerSoup subscriber in and itself, it's still only ninety nine dollars is the most you're going to pay for this weekend. Uh, and that includes every play, not just the five star, but every single Saturday side release, plus all of our Sunday plays, plus our Monday night play and our Monday night marquee. So you're getting or our Monday night magic play. Excuse me. So you're getting a lot of value there for for a, a, a low dollar amount. The five star in and in, in itself, if you were buying that by itself, is a hundred dollars. So just to put that uh, out there for you um and uh with that uh let's get that out of the way and and go on to our to our uh, games that we have uh we're gonna we're gonna go start with a sec matchup we're gonna go down keep it down south and and go to the the state of texas uh to to preview the baylor texas matchup we're gonna go out west and look at washington and oregon come back to the midwest look take a look at the pit at notre dame matchup go to where espn game day is is taking place in ann arbor and look at the wisconsin and michigan game and then we're gonna go and give away uh one of our two-star selections in this week's power sweep uh issue but first and foremost let's get it started as we always do we get we go with the sec play uh two of the top sec teams obviously in the country uh georgia ranked number two they're going into death valley taking on the number three ranked lsu tigers georgia of course is undefeated six and oh lsu has only lost once that coming last week five and one oh we did have that right uh, that play right, by the way, in Florida, uh, beating LSU. Uh, both teams, 
Uh, so-so against the spread. Three and three. Both teams are uh, so far this year. But, uh, you know, Chris, when I when I looked at this game, uh, you know, one of the things I look at is how teams played last week and what their what their role is, I guess, for this week. And the fact that LSU should be angry off that loss to Florida. The last time they lost back-to-back SEC games was back in 2015, so I do look for LSU to kind of bounce back this week. Uh, I picture a grinded-out physical game. Georgia has not seen uh, the physicalness of an LSU team yet this year. I think LSU is the most physical team that they're going to see thus far into the season. And uh, with LSU, I look at uh, Joe Burrow. We, it seems like we talk about Joe Burrow a lot here on this podcast, Chris, but uh, you know, a guy that was hitting 46% of his passes the first three games of the season has really started to turn it around the last three games he's up that completion percentage to 61 percent over the last three games so uh, I think Joe Burrow is going to have continued success here Uh, and I look at the last time the LSU being a rare home dog like they like they are right now uh, last year again similar situation coming off Florida seven point home dog just like they are this week uh, and then they won outright. They beat Auburn. This time, they're seven-point dogs. Some lines are saying seven and a half uh, th- that they're getting now against Georgia. And I'm not going to go as far as to say that LSU is going to pull off the outright upset. But if you're giving me seven and a half, seven points in Death Valley, I'm going to ha- I got to go with the dog in this game. Am I crazy? Not, not at all. Uh, you're right about one thing. This is by far <clears throat> the most physical team that Georgia's played. South Carolina is a decent team. They do they do have a strong defense, but not at that level with LSU. So I don't think that Georgia's seen the physicality of the LSU defense in particular. LSU does have some questions on the offensive line as far as injuries go. But the intriguing thing to me is going to be how these quarterbacks do against what is two of the top-notch secondaries in the country. Georgia coming in at number 11 in our pass efficiency defense ratings and LSU at number five. And both teams are going to be facing what could likely be a number one draft choice at cornerback that teams usually like to throw away from in uh, DeAndre Baker for Georgia, Greedy Williams for LSU, that they are both ball hawks and it's tough to throw to that side of the field. So look for both pass defenses that have edge on, on the offense in this game. From there, I look at uh, Georgia does have a little bit of a quarterback edge, but Burrow's been playing better. Fromm has completed 73% with a 12-2 to ratio, but again, he hasn't really seen a great secondary yet and a great defense. LSU is 15-0 and when Ed Orgeron has a 100-yard rusher in his lineup. Uh, they're 5-7 and when they don't have a 100-yard rusher. Georgia's only given up 3.8 yards a carry and have not allowed a 100-yard rusher yet this year. Now, with that being said, LSU's defense is giving up 17 points a game, holding their opponents to 75 yards per game below their average. So, just like you, I feel like LSU has the defense to keep this game close. It could come down to turnovers as far as who wins this game, but... Being that I don't think the LSU is going to get that 100-yard rusher, I have to say Georgia wins the game, but it's close and within a touchdown. 
That's why I like getting that analysis from our SEC coordinator, Chris Van Dyne, because uh, nobody knows the SEC more than he does. And uh, so if he's saying that uh, you got to like LSU plus the points, I got to I got to go with that as well. Glad we agree on that. All right. Let's keep it down south, Chris. Let's go to the state of Texas. Now we got Baylor uh, coming in at four and two. They're going on the road to Austin, uh, Texas, coming off their biggest win since 2009. The Longhorns ranked number nine in the country, five and one. Uh, just three and three against the spread. Baylor, not a good spread team either. Two and four. Um, the line, interestingly enough, I mean, a lot of uh, Texas had a lot of love early in the week, laying 16. A lot of the public, though, betting on Baylor to keep this game closer than expected. That line now dropped down to two touchdowns. It's down to 14, the last check uh, for this one. So the, the betting public is saying that Baylor is going to keep it uh, within striking distance. Now, when again, looking at this game, I mean, Texas. They're off that big win. How are those kids going to handle it? They haven't been in this situation before. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see just indeed how Texas handles being kind of a a foe that other teams are going to look at and really want to play their A game against. We haven't seen that yet from Texas. So I'm going to be interested to see how that uh, plays out. Now, uh, again, Texas coming off the Red River rivalry, Usually, most of the time, you see teams play off their big rival game. They're a big emotional win. The next week, they, they're in a letdown spot, a flat spot. Uh, interestingly enough, Texas, they've covered their last three games after the Red River rivalry. But I just want to let you guys know, uh, two of those games were following a loss. This one, obviously, the huge emotional win. So I don't think that you can really look at that kind of angle and just say, oh, well, Texas always does well after the Red River rivalry because this is a totally different situation there. With Baylor, they're getting some of their running backs uh, up to speed. John Lovett sat out last week with a concussion. He should return. Uh, Jamal Hasty was sidelined last week with a little bit of a migraine. He he was limited. He should be back. And I think uh, Baylor's quarterback, Charlie Brewer, he has enough weapons to keep Baylor within the line in this game so i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with the public chris i i think um you know texas laying 14 i'm gonna go with baylor to keep this game closer uh than expected i again i'm not gonna say baylor's gonna sit here and pull an outright upset that's not gonna happen texas is gonna win this game but i do feel again that that baylor keeps it close well the thing that's impressed me with baylor especially offensively is uh the, the, you mentioned the weapons the brewer has and uh the the weird career arc of Jalen Hurd uh everyone remembers 1000 yard running back actually looked like he would leave Tennessee as their all-time career leading rusher up and leaves in the middle of the season in 2016 disappears from the face of the earth and then all of a sudden he's back at Baylor not as a running back as a wide receiver and it looks like he made the right decision 550 yards this year looks competent as a receiver he always caught the ball well at tennessee uh at six foot four it makes more sense that he's a wide receiver so he's one heck of a weapon for charlie brewer and that baylor offense who's averaging 500 yards a game uh number 13 offense averaging 108 yards per game more than their opponents are allowing and you mentioned uh you mentioned texas against the spread last week we did have that as our top late phone play on uh on saturday and then also they were our underdog play of the week, which we've mentioned before about Tom Herman as an underdog. He's amazing as an underdog. Well, not so great as a favorite, especially a home favorite. 
uh, including his time at Houston. He's 5-13-1 as a home favorite. Matt Rule is 17-7 as a dog of plus 7.5 or more points. Uh, I'm with you. I think that uh, the Baylor offense will keep them in this game. Uh, Charlie Brewer has actually seen the number 19 and number 24 pass D's. Texas is only number 44, so this isn't the best pass defense that that they're going to see. So I think Baylor will uh, keep this a little closer than expected. Interesting you bring up Jalen Hurd there because uh, obviously you made that that move to wide receiver, and last week they had to use him a little bit more at that running back position because they were a little thinned out there, and he was producing at running back as well, and they asked him after the game, uh, you know, how it was, and he said, I like running back. I like wide receiver. I think the kid just likes the ball, and he's proven it this year. He's looking really, really good. Uh, very nice weapon uh, that Baylor has, and they've got a lot of weapons for Charlie Brewer, and that's why we think that this game will be closer uh, than expected. Enough about that game. Let's take a trip out west, way out west. Another top 25 matchup in the Pac-12. Number seven, Washington coming in at 5-1. and one. Going on the road, Oregon number 17. They're on. They're 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 four and one. Uh, again, both teams not too good against the spread though. Washington just two and four. Oregon uh, two and three. Something's got to give here. Uh, the line has pretty much remained about stagnant. It's opened up at Washington laying three and a half. It's down to three. So a little bit of money coming in at Oregon, but uh, uh, it, it, this is. A, I can see why it's a it's going to be a close game. I mean, these offenses are even. I got to give Washington the edge on defense. Oregon has the edge on special teams, and Oregon is at home. Oregon's fresh off a bye, but uh, you know the matchup that that I'm looking forward to the most when I watch this game, Chris, is uh, between the two future NFL quarterbacks in in Washington's Jake Browning and Oregon's Justin Herbert. You're talking about two of the best quarterbacks in the entire country and both will be seeing action on Sundays in the near future um, when it comes to the angles in this game uh, because the matchup is just so close I had to just kind of take a look at something to see uh, that I that, that would make me kind of shift one way or the other um, and I look at angles and I see Oregon one and four as a home dog Washington head coach Chris Peterson is great, 28 and 17 as an away favorite. Uh, our computer is actually calling for an outright upset, so those things all all lean with Oregon in this game. But uh, I, I I just don't know, Chris. I mean, this one I'm really stumped at. It's a, it you know the lines three. I can see it a field goal game either way. Washington or Oregon. Uh, winning this game by a field goal, I gotta be honest with you, folks out there listening. If if you if you ha- if you have a lot of faith in either of these teams for this matchup, I, I just want you to be wary because I, I, this game is is truly truly a toss up, and I really am struggling. Uh, I got it as a field goal, Chris, and I and and it could go either way. I'm not I don't I don't have a strong enough pick on this game. I really really don't. You know, I, I do have something that I think that uh, p- puts the edge to Washington a little bit. Uh, this game could easily be a battle of two unbeatens. Oregon lost that game to uh, Stanford a couple weeks ago that they absolutely should have won, then bounced back and beat Cal. Um, and you mentioned the computer's power plays. is calling for Oregon to win this game. Um, but it does call for Washington to have the yards edge as well. So it seems the computer's having trouble with this game like we are. 
Well, I noticed, you know, the Huskies have held uh, four straight opponents to uh, two, under 270 yards. So their defense is playing really well. And additionally, their offense has taken on the number 37, the number 29, number 52, number 51, and number 71 defenses. Oregon's defense has only faced the number 126, number 95, number 62, and number 67 offenses. So Oregon's faced mostly below average offenses, while Washington's faced mostly above average defenses, which leads me to think that Washington has the edge. It does get scary when you're pl- when you're playing in a place like Allison Stadium, and I know it gets loud there, and I that's a stadium that really intrigues me. But uh, I, I give the uh, Huskies the edge, and like you said, uh, Oregon as a home dog hasn't performed well. The winner of this game clearly going to have an edge up in the uh, in, in the Pac-12 standings there to to reach that Pac-12 championship game in in the uh, in the North Division. It's w- just a great game to just sit back and watch uh, for those out there listening. All right, uh, let's go to the Midwest now. Uh, take a look at this Pitt at number five Notre Dame matchup. Pitt comes in at three and three, just two, three and one against the spread, while Notre Dame is just scorching hot right now. Six and zero oh, straight up, four and two against the spread. Uh, the line right now for this game is 21. It opened at 21 for Notre Dame, laying 21, three touchdowns. Uh, hasn't budged. Uh, it, that's a good spot for this game, I feel. Um, you know, when looking at that 21, uh, the 21 point line though, Chris, I gotta look. I look at the schedules of each team, and you look at Pitt, and I see they've already lost by 45 points uh, to Penn State, and in their last road game to UCF, by the way, which is not nothing like Notre Dame, they lost by 31 points, and the line is 21. So that has me leaning with Notre Dame. Then I go and I look at, all right, let's see, Notre Dame. Why are they doing so well in these last three games? The first three games of the season, they had Brandon Wimbush as their starting quarterback, who was their starter last year. And anyone who's followed Notre Dame or watched their games, you know the Brandon Wimbush was limited throwing the ball. Great great at running the ball, limited throwing the ball. The first three games of the season, Notre Dame, they were averaging 23 points per game, 365 yards a game with Brandon Wimbush as a starter. They make the switch. They put Ian Book back there as the starting quarterback. What happens? They go from averaging 23 points per game, Chris, in the last three games with Ian Book as a starter, to averaging 46 points per game. The the 365 yard per game average goes up to 518 yards per game with Ian Book. So uh, Ian Book, he can not only can he run, he can also pass much better thrower than Brandon Wimbush, and that offense has just taken off uh, under Book. Uh, and and again, and what, here's a thing that a lot of people will discount Notre Dame in this game because they do struggle as a double-digit home favorite. Uh, I know they failed to cover both games in that role this year alone not only you know historically or the last few years but this year as well uh but that was both those games were before Ian Book became the starter I look at this Notre Dame team they are just rolling along very very efficiently and I don't think they're going to have a problem laying 21 in this in this game I like Notre Dame over Pitt in this matchup uh by probably four touchdowns I would go Notre Dame even laying 21 I would even go as high as probably 25 26 in this game well, Pitt has done well in this series. They actually pulled two upsets in the last 15 meetings in South Bend. And, uh, you, you know, it, it seems like that they usually do play Notre Dame close. But this is a different matchup. And I've got some questions when it comes to Pitt's offense. 
Uh, in particular, Pat Narduzzi raved about Kenny Pickett in the offseason. Uh, only 61% completions in the 6-5 to five ratio. He hasn't thrown for 200 yards in the game yet. So uh, th- there's a concern there. The entire front seven and their defense was supposed to be their strength. They all returned from last year. They're allowing 197 yards rushing a game, 4.8 yards a carry. So that's not what we expected either. Uh, when Pitt wins, they run the ball well. We saw them bounce back after that horrible performance against Central Florida and ran the ball well against Syracuse to win that game. Last 23 plays in that game, they ran the ball, 22 of them, and that's what helped them win that game. Ended up with 265 yards rushing. Darren Hall and Quadriolison both topped 100 yards. That being said, you're not running the ball like that on Notre Dame's defense. 128 yards a game rushing allowed for Notre Dame, 3.4 yards a carry. Jerry Tillery is a force in the front seven, 19 tackles, seven sacks, seven quarterback hurries. So they're going to stop the run, and they're going to get after Pickett. Uh, apologies to all my friends in Pittsburgh and my, my Uncle Frankie, who is a Pitt alumni, but Notre Dame's going to win this game easily, and it, it'll probably be, I think, between three and four touchdowns, so I think they'll cover. Luck of the Irish once again, and uh, Notre Dame in line. If they can keep on winning, they will be in the college football playoff. All right, let's go on uh, to where uh, a familiar place, college game day is going to be on hand in Ann Arbor. Another top 25 matchup that we're taking a look at. It's in the Big Ten, number 15, Wisconsin. Uh, they come into this game 4-1, and one, just 1-4 one and four against the spread, though. Uh, number 12, Michigan, 5-1, and 3-3 three and three against the spread. Uh, this line is actually moving in Wisconsin's favor, Chris. It opened up. Michigan was a 7-point favorite. Now it's up to 8. So, uh, you know, if you're back in Wisconsin, you're getting a, over a touchdown now. So you got to like that. Uh, the, the running back, Jonathan Taylor, of course, was the Heisman Trophy favorite entering the season. He ran for 132 yards, averaged 6.9 yards a carry in this game last year. And then this year, Wisconsin, they have their entire offensive line back. They will have the edge at the line of scrimmage in this game. I know Michigan's got a great defensive line. It's not a discredit to them at all. They just got a couple of guys banged up, not 100%. And Wisconsin's offensive line is healthy and, again, arguably the best in the country. Uh, Wisconsin does great uh, on the Big Ten road. They're uh, 9-1 and one against the spread on the Big Ten road, including covering earlier this year in Kinnick Stadium at night. And anybody that, co- that, wa- that follows college football knows the tough environment that that is. And Wisconsin not only won, but they covered in that game uh, as an away, as an away uh, favorite earlier this year. So I don't have any problem backing Wisconsin in that game. I think Michigan will win the game. I think Michigan is the better team, but there's no way I can lay more than a touchdown against this Wisconsin team who is so dangerous, always in Big Ten play. They're always among the elite. I I see this game, Michigan winning by a field goal, six points at the most, but I can't go more than a touchdown. I'm going with, with Wisconsin plus the points. I kind of had a hard time uh, on this game, sort of like you did when it came to the Washington-Oregon game. Wisconsin's covered four straight in this series, but I've been really impressed with Shea Patterson. A lot of people had concerns after the Notre Dame game. Oh, he's not as good as they said he was, and he's come out, come around just fine. Ten to four ratio, completing 69%. So Michigan seems like their offense is going to be just fine. Uh, 
Wisconsin's running game it speaks for itself. They're offensively number 10 in the country, averaging 125 yards per game more than their opponents are allowing. But the Michigan defense, number one in the country, holding their opponents to 215 yards per game below their opponent's average. They're only letting up 97 rush yards per game, 2.6 yards per carry. So uh, I, I I have a hard time with this game. The I didn't realize some of the injury issues that you said you mentioned Michigan has on the defensive line, and I noticed they did give up 147 rushing yards and four yards of carry to Maryland, which is more than they usually do. So that might have something to do with it. So I, I'll follow your lead on this one. I trust your your uh, Big Ten knowledge and go with the uh, the Badgers getting the points here. Now, there's a couple of those defensive linemen could be coming back for Michigan this week, but we don't know that yet. And also, uh, you know, being that they haven't played in, in some real game action lately, uh, could be a little rusty, especially against that Wisconsin offensive line. Again, uh, not calling for the outright upset, but I do think that, that Wisconsin keeps this game close. All right, now uh, let's go to our special uh, power sweep giveaway uh we've had some pretty good success on this chris what are we three and one on these giveaway plays uh in the podcast three one and one three one and one so yeah we'll take that all day and uh one again last week uh on this podcast and we're going to go back to a two-star selection that we had in the newsletter this past week and we're going to go with the group of five game and we're going to go with two of the top group of five teams in the country uh number 10 ucf undefeated five and oh four and one against the spread so they're not only uh doing it on the scoreboard but also doing it in vegas and for their backers uh pockets as well uh at memphis in the liberty bowl tough place to play memphis coming in four and two uh three and three against the spread uh uh, early money coming in, coming in on Memphis because UCF opened as a five-point favorite. That line now down just a tad. UCF now laying four and a half. So uh, a little bit of early money coming on in Memphis. That, this line, I, I'm guessing it, the most it'll go down to, I'm guessing is four. It probably will go up to five, though, would be my uh, ultimate guess in this game. I think it's going to stay right around five. But uh, when you look, when I looked at this game, Chris, and and you know something that I've noticed uh, with Memphis. Obviously, they had to replace their quarterback, and they did a great job in doing that with the with the grad transfer, Brady White. Uh, he's come in. He's lighting it up. He's throwing for over 1,500 yards. He's hitting 69% of his passes. The guy has a 15-to-1 ratio. It's freaking outstanding, right? Uh, let's just take a look at the opposition that Memphis has played against. Uh, so the 1,500 yards, 69%, 15-to-1 ratio has come against our number 112 pass rank, uh, pass deficient pass efficiency defense our number 116 pass efficiency defense our number 114 pass efficiency defense granted let me let let me just fill you guys in it's 130 teams in in college football okay our 81st ranked pass efficiency defense and then dead last last week connecticut 130th pass efficiency defense so uh while the numbers are outstanding and yeah i mean if you're playing bad defenses you want to put up uh, great numbers which he's doing but uh the, the success that he's having he's not going to find it this week i mean ucf they've got a great secondary uh their their pass efficiency defense is ranked number 37 in our rankings they've allowed only five touchdowns have eight interceptions so look for brady white to have the worst game of his uh season yet so far this year uh when it comes to this game obviously high scoring the, the total is 78 on this game i was joking with chris earlier today i said man i wonder what the total the the the, the total for this game is going to be and i said it's probably going to be 80 and we looked and it was 78 and chris was like oh man that's a little bit too high i said nah they're probably going to score 100 points in this game so 
if you're looking at totals, I would go with the over in this game. And uh, as far as the side goes, um, UCF laying less than a touchdown. They still feel disrespected. They're not going to get into a playoff. The only way they're going to keep getting people to talk about them is by continuing to win games. I think they come into this game winning 18 straight uh, games going back to last season. And they're going to have to do that if they want to continue to to get in the playoff people's ears. Uh, So, again, they're still disrespected. They're laying less than a touchdown. I know it's in the Liberty Bowl, but they've looked good so far each and every week. Uh, for the most part, undefeated, even doing it 4-1 and one against the spread. So no matter what the point spread is, they're still covering. I like UCF in this game, Chris, to continue to roll. And Antonio does not like making friends at UCF sometimes. He, he, he likes to point out they can't make the playoffs. And I, I agree, it's, they're not going to just based on the schedule. But they have been dominating this year. And in particular, that win over Pitt was pretty impressive especially after you consider the way the pit bounced back and beat Syracuse the following week. And that was a Syracuse team that almost beat Clemson. So, uh, you know, they're playing well. Um, they're doing what they've done for the last two years. Uh, plus they're running the ball really well. 269 yards a game rushing seven guys on that team have over a hundred rushing yards. So they're spreading the ball around a lot, which makes it tough on defenses because you have no idea who you have to defend. Uh, the one thing with Memphis that I just can't get out of my head was back-to-back poor performances against South Alabama and Tulane. That w- I just can't understand it. In particular, the the Tulane loss, I, I can like I can just let that one go. But they gave up uh, a season high 467 yards to South Alabama, including 360 passing yards. South Alabama is not even coming close to averaging that. And that wasn't garbage time yards. South Alabama was scoring early, and that was a good game until the fourth quarter when Memphis finally pulled away. So I don't think that uh, Memphis has the defense to hang with Mackenzie Milton and I think that, like you said, there's going to be some points in this game. And Memphis will get their plays every once in a while. Their offense is explosive, and they'll score some points. But Central Florida is going to score more. And I, I think the Knights roll here. I could see them winning by as much as two touchdowns. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And Mackenzie Milton, of course, uh, one of the uh, lesser-known Heisman Trophy candidates, but still very, very well-deserving uh, nonetheless. Had a great season last year and is and is just doing it all again this year. So that's our two-star selection is on UCF, uh, minus the points for those of you counting at home. All right, well, that's going to do it uh, once again for this week's edition of the Power Sweep Podcast. Again, I just want to remind you, it's five-star weekend. We are very excited. we got a deep card, some great games this weekend. Uh, Give us a call in the office again, toll free, 1-800-654-3448. Find out how you can get not only that five-star, but all of our Saturday side selections, plus all of our Sunday late phone selections. Again, the top NFL play 5-0 this year for as low as $69. I can't beat that. All right, for Chris Van Dyne, I'm Antonio Castro. Thanks once again for listening to the Power Sweep podcast presented by North Coast Sports. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.